Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Anthony Davis, now Davis, and LeBron James partner up in the West. Suddenly, the Lakers are a legitimate contender. They were able to keep Kyle Kuzma. You know, this is everything L.A. had to do this summer. They had to get Anthony Davis. They weren't at the top of any big free agents list. But this certainly changes the dynamic of that Laker organization, changes the narrative. Uh, They've got Anthony Davis. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where it's been a long day without you, my friend, and I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way from where we began. Oh, I'll tell you all about it. When I see you again, when I see you again, whoa. Wow, that was beautiful, dude. <laughs> hey, but guess what? We got Anthony Davis, so turn down for what? <laughs> I hope people are still on after that. But Tommy, was that not a perfect encapsulation of how it feels like to be a Lakers fan today? Hell yeah. You got the sadness of it all, pouring one out for Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, and my sweet, sweet prince, Jarrett Culver, and future future first pick swaps, <laughs> but at the same time, celebrating in the litness of getting Anthony Davis, Anthony the Brow Davis, clutch all the way. We are still trying to collect ourselves here. This is, once again, one of those instant reaction, raw, unplugged. Uh, podcast episodes. I'm after we record this. I'm just gonna plop Tommy's recording on top of mine. That sounds kind of dirty, uh, and I won't edit it very much. And I'll just like put it out there into the ether for you guys to uh, digest. But with that said, 
Tommy, how are you doing tonight? The Lakers, if anybody's heard, finally completed the Anthony Davis trade. It was a uh, it was a steep, steep price that they had to pay, but they paid it. And Anthony Davis is now a Los Angeles Laker, and we have two future Hall of Famers on our roster, just like old times, just like the Laker way. So with that said, let's just start with uh, raw emotions. Uh, what are you doing right now? I heard you're eating Chick-fil-A. How does that, how does that taste? Eating a little Chick-fil-A uh, to celebrate Anthony Davis. Normally, I would eat In-N-Out in such, uh, under su- such circumstances, but I went with Chick-fil-A today because I will be having burgers tomorrow for Father's Day. Thank you. Nice. Does the meat taste any better knowing that Anthony Davis is a Laker? The meat tastes like it recognizes that we've just made a very big trade, <laughs> and we now have two of like the top eight players in the league, I would say, uh, on our roster. Um, yeah, I mean, initial reaction was, I was like, wow, that is a lot to give up. And I, you know, I was one of the people who was, uh, you know, the whole time hanging on to, we just need to keep Lonzo, we just need to keep Lonzo. So any deal that involved Lonzo was really going to, you know, feel like it was giving up a lot to me. Um, but they did it, and it's like, you know, now that it's done, everything's processed, we still kept Kuzma, and it's like, okay... We have Anthony Davis, we have LeBron James, we have a full max slot to use. You just figure, like, that's a pretty good position to be in, like with the Warriors, like everybody going down. It's Kawhi Leonard signs here, and we have three of the top eight players in the league. I mean, like, that's more, that's, like, better than the Miami Heat even did, you know? So Kyrie Irving signs here, that's going to be huge, you know? So we have a 26 year old superstar who if we can keep him healthy with like our new medical staff and all the, you know, money we're funneling into that group, allegedly, um, if we can keep him healthy, we should have a guy who's going to be an all-star candidate like every year for the next six to seven years, at least. Um, and it's just like crazy to think that. Um, so hopefully we can get him uh, some help in the form of a friend a similar a similarly aged friend like Kyrie Irving or Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I think Kawhi Leonard and Anthony Davis are on the same age timeline right now, which is ridiculous. And I'm still trying to come down off my high. I'm not it's a high of emotions, right? It's a emotional well, spikes on both ends. Emotional lows knowing that we had to pay a, a steep price, you know, this day it, it cost a lot. Losing Lonzo Ball, losing Brandon Ingram. Everybody knows my man crush on Jarrett Culver, my sweet, sweet prince. So all of that sucks. All of that stings. Josh Hart, I kind of figured, was going to be out ever since he started Lighthearted Podcast and did that podcast episode on hating analytics. Um, But anyways, you know, Josh Hart is great, too. Um, I I just first want to say, you know, thanks to those guys and, uh, you know, condolence. I mean, not condolences. These guys didn't die, but I want to pay my respects to Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Josh Hart because they showed so much promise. Even though they were injured, even though we only saw it in flashes and spurts here and there, I mean, we, we saw enough to be confident that even if we ran it back this year and didn't trade the farm for Anthony Davis, we were going to be okay. So I think that says a lot, and we're definitely going to miss them. They were part of the rebuild. Um, but unfortunately, this is just what happens, right? This is collateral damage. People who did not like bringing LeBron James on probably feel even more justified because they just saw, 
you know, guys they've invested in for the last two or three years shipped out unceremoniously. But this is sort of, for better or for worse, hate it or love it, the Laker way, you know? And in a weird sense, LeBron James is kind of like Shaq, if we take it back to 1996. And Anthony Davis is our Kobe Bryant, our established Kobe Bryant. You know, they're about, what, eight years apart or so? Weren't Shaq and Kobe about seven years apart? Yeah, something like that. So, I mean, just being able to say that LeBron James can now usher Anthony Davis into, not that he needs any more ushering, you know, he's already a multi-year all-star superstar, but to, to be able to play alongside LeBron James and vice versa is so ridiculous. I can't, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it right now. But yes, first of all, thank you, Brandon Ingram. Thank you, Lonzo Ball. Thank you, Josh Hart. We will miss you guys. And we are pretty much going to be, you know, closet Pelicans fans. Right, Tommy? Yeah. I mean, we don't like their fan base or their beat writers who are delusional as fuh, but we will gladly root for them when they're throwing lobs up to Zion and Zion throwing skip passes to Brandon Ingram and vice versa and all that. So that should be a lot of fun, especially with the pace that Alvin Gentry likes to play. But with that said, the deal is done. Today extracts a heavy toll, as Thanos says, and kind of like Avengers, it's kind of like reverse Avengers for the Lakers, right? Where when Thanos snapped his fingers, all of the new Avengers kind of just dissipated into the air, but all of the old OG Avengers were were left to try and pick up the pieces and go back into the time machine and make it worth it for the guys that were lost. For the Lakers, though, all the new guys are kind of left here. We got LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kyle Kuzma is the only remaining remnant from what we can even consider the OG young core. So it's like a reversal from Avengers where what we have are the latest and most recent Lakers who we're still getting to know. Uh, LeBron James, we got a year under our belt with, but outside of that, Anthony Davis is new to us. Anthony Davis as a Laker is new to us. So it's going to be interesting, but I'm also along for the ride. It's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be lit AF. So let's start with just the package that went out for Anthony Davis. Um, I hate to say it, but I was prepared for this, you know, not to say that I wanted this to happen. Of course, I wanted to only give up Brandon Ingram in number four or Lonzo Ball in number four and be able to keep one of those three assets. Right. Of of course, I wanted that to happen. But in my head, I knew with everything that was riding on Rob Palenka and this offseason and knowing that I don't have any control over this front office I was preparing myself for the worst case scenario. And I don't think we even got the worst case scenario because Kyle Kuzma is not in this deal. A dude who just averaged 19 points is not in this deal. It could have definitely been worse. Now we know the pick protections or we know the picks that are are getting traded away. Uh, Those are a lot of picks. There are some pick swaps involved there. Goes all the way up to an unprotected 2024. So I'm not downplaying how much this cost the Lakers. They had to pay a heavy, heavy toll, but not to be callous or anything, but I was already kind of emotionally prepared for this. And I'm not trying to say I told you so, but I mean, I told you so. Tommy, you, like you, like you just mentioned, you were kind of always hoping that because the Lakers were bidding against nobody and that is the case. I mean, Boston was, did not have Tatum in any of their packages that, 
the Lakers are overpaying here if this was going to be the package, if that we had to give up Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, number four. And I agree with that. So how are you feeling and how are you dealing with that uh, emotional tension and like cognitive dissonance of that? Are you disappointed in Rob that he wasn't able to pull this off? Or since you've had time to process it, process this since the news went down, you know, three hours ago, are you sort of understanding that this just had to be done at the end of the day? So I will, I will say, I mean, I still think we, I mean, a lot of people are going to say online we overpaid and I, and I think I fall more into that camp than anything else. Um, but it's just weird. It's hard to say whether this was worth it, right? Because in so many ways, I mean, we talked about it so much, but like all three of those top assets, I'm talking about Ball, Ingram, and the number four pick, all three of those had to go out for us to be able to sign another guy anyway. Um, So logistically, it already... So like logistically, like that framework was already there. Okay, you add Josh Hart into a deal. I'm not going to lose sleep over losing Josh Hart. You know, like I think he's a solid, like fine player. If he was back, I would like love to have him. But like, that's not like a player that's going to hold up this type of trade. We did also give um, the picks and the pick swaps and, you know... You can read into those how you want, but I, I guess my point is like if if like the main those three guys had to go regardless for us to sign a max, my opinion of how much we paid for Anthony Davis like pretty much hinges on who we're able to sign as a free agent. Um, because if all of a sudden you know it's Saturday today, if all of a sudden Monday morning, boom, the new buzz on the rumor mill is now Kawhi's super interested, or the new buzz is like. Now uh, Kyrie's a lock to go there. For those two guys, I think that it was worth it. You know, whether or not we were going to get those guys regardless, it's it's just like, you know, it, it just suggests that there was some foresight, you know? And, like, Rob was thinking, like, we have this, like, X player, like, locked up, so let's just, I mean, we were going to have to do this anyway, so rather than, like, come in and lowball them and offend anybody, let's just put it all out on the table right there. You know, and I can right. respect that. Um, but again, we don't know if that's what happened because we don't know if we have anybody locked up. Um, and that's not something we'll really know for like another couple of weeks. Are you a little bit annoyed knowing the fact that there likely weren't any other suitors and the, the Lakers were likely negotiating against themselves? I am definitely annoyed. I mean, that's, I was saying this the whole time, you know, when all these reports were coming out, I was the first one to always be like, but like what, like, who can we see one other offer that's been made, you know? So we'll never know what the other offers that were out there on the table were, but I, again, I think it just, but you can use common know. sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, but we just don't really know, like, is there something to be said about the Lakers paying a steep, steep premium for peace of mind and closing the door on any sort of variance that could happen if, let's say, free agents choose to turn a blind eye to them? Or let's say a dark horse candidate really wakes up on June 30th and is like, you know what, maybe I'll do this. Portland comes in and is like, all right, CJ McCollum for Anthony Davis, let's do this. Like, is there something to be said about them getting out ahead of this and then 
paying that steep price now, but also walking into free agency with their best foot forward. So I just don't, and I didn't, and I still don't buy, I mean, now that the trade has happened, obviously everybody in the media can like puff out their chest and say, see, I told you so. But like, I still don't buy the logic that we had to get this done before the draft. There was like no reason for us to necessarily want to do it. So I, I just think that the fact that we were so willing to engage New Orleans in that type of discussion and came to an agreement at this stage where like, Theoretically, the longer we waited, you could make an argument that our leverage would just get better and better. So the fact that we were doing all of this now, like, kind of suggests to me that maybe there's a chance that, you know, they know or, you know, whatever. I mean, I was talking to you about this offline, but another thing about this Anthony Davis trade that I think is probably going to be overlooked a little bit is the impact it has on the franchise's relationship with Clutch. Mm-hmm. Like we could have dragged this out into, and maybe this is something that was, you know, also at play here. We could have dragged this out into August. You know, that team had to trade Anthony Davis. They have the number one like franchise player coming in in Zion. And were they really going to risk like tarnishing his, like the beginning of his career in new Orleans with Anthony Davis still like lingering around there. Like they mm-hmm. were going to have to trade him. Eventually we could have dragged this out into August. We could have made it really brutal and ugly we could have said, fine, trade him somewhere else, and like we'll sign him next year. We still can if we, you know, sign some deals like one-year deals or multi-year deals that we can think we can get rid uh, rid of easily and let Bi walk. Then like we can still do it, you know. So we could have called their bluff in so many ways, but by getting out ahead of it and just throwing all these assets in there. You know, it, it it has to affect Clutch's opinion of us or, like, it has to show, like, a pretty big... It's, like, a, to me, a pretty big showing of respect. Like, hey, yeah. we didn't want you to suffer there in New Orleans anymore. Like, we didn't want you to have to wait another year or get traded to a place you didn't really want to play in for a, a year, waste a year of your career. Like, we're just going to go out there and get you right now. And you just hope that it comes back with... <laughs> You know, Clutch helping us get a free agent, you know, pulling out LeBron, pulling out all the stops um, to make sure we get like somebody who's worth a max this summer. Right. Um, and, you you know, you hope that it, it helps you in, in that way, too. But I, I don't know. Again, so much of it will come down to if we sign somebody, if we sign somebody, I think there's a lot of, you know, there you can make a lot of arguments that like, OK, the reason they were willing to give up this much is because they knew they had somebody in the bag and like. The timing of this trade is more important to us than it is to New Orleans. So by paying them in picks, it's like paying them for accommodating with our timing here. Mm-hmm. Because New Orleans has every incentive to consummate the trade. Like, given how the numbers worked out, they can just consummate right now. You know, like, they and they, they would be perfectly happy doing that because then they get the... Sorry, consummate, I guess, as of July 1st. But if they do it that way, then they get to play their... Um, rookie and uh, the number four pick in, on their summer league team um, to get him like run with Zion. You but know? they agreed they, to forego that. Exactly. But they agreed to forego that. And so we step in and we're like, okay, since you're helping out with that, maybe we'll throw in this pick swap. Like, I'm not saying that's how it went necessarily. I'm just saying like, there are a lot of other factors here that suggest that we are intending to spend like all of that money on one player. I mean, I don't know if they know they have anybody locked up, but that's what it seems like they're, uh, they're acting with that goal in mind. Yeah. And they've both also agreed that this deal is not going to be officially executed till late July. So I'm sure there was that push and pull of when to get this deal actually done, because if we had just executed it on 
June 30th or July 1st, when we, when we have cap space, uh, that would have eight into our max cap slot of 32.5, 32.7 million. And we would have only had 28 million left. That would have been short by $4 million of a seven to nine year max player. So yeah, I agree with you that I think that was part of the negotiations and the give and take. And, you know, Rob Palinka may not have come out of this as a winner in all caps, but he got the deal done. And like you said, he appeased clutch. And I think that's what I was talking about in terms of paying a premium for peace of mind, because the Lakers now have stuff more in order heading into free agency and the offseason than they did before, where instead of um, Rob Palinka having his board with all of like the different threads and strings connecting to all the different permutations and scenarios that he could be plotting out, it's now a much more clearer picture because we have Anthony Davis now. Now we're only looking at instead of like 500 threads, we, we cut it down to 250. It's either we get a third star or we divvy up the 32.5 max amongst role player types to help this team out and find the depth that we just lost. So overall, yes, I don't, I don't think Rob Palenka did the most optimal job as the negotiator here, but I think he did what he had to do to get out ahead of this. And getting out ahead of this, I don't think it can be understated because the Lakers are walking into free agency as the big man on campus. I, I agree with you that I don't think they had to do this, but it's much different seeing it in person, if that makes sense. Seeing the Lakers yeah. walk in with Anthony Davis in a Lakers uniform and not, having, not having that asterisk, like, it'll happen. We'll be able to do this if you agree to sign. It's like, Anthony Davis is there. Right. How nuts is that? It's nuts, dude. So, yeah. I don't, I just don't know, like, does it really, like, are... Are we really more likely to sign somebody now? Like, I just don't know how this impacts guys. Thinking. I mean, even if we don't get a third star and we can get it, get into this shortly, I think this has a trickle down effect, even on the veteran minimum exception type guys that we get. Yeah, and fair. I think the biggest thing, Tommy, we can finally freaking build out a roster. No more one year deals. That's like, true. We can give multi-year deals to everybody. <laughs> you get a multi-year deal. You get a multi-year deal. Everybody gets a multi-year deal. <laughs> and, and also, like, I mentioned this to you offline, and I know you've been worried about, for a long time, even before this actually happened, about how we go about filling out a roster after we decimate our depth. But... The, the good flip side, the, the silver lining to losing depth is there are roles available and up for grabs that free agents who get the cold shoulder this offseason, they'll, they'll be enticed by the Lakers' open spots, you know? Even if they have to take a huge pay cut and only sign for the veteran exception, they're like, I'm willing to do that to prove myself this year because I know I'm actually going to get minutes. It's not going to be like last year where Lance Stevenson, Rajon Rondo, Michael Beasley weren't sure they were even going to get minutes. And even JaVale McGee had a, a spell in the season where he was mad that Zubats was taking his minutes, you know? That's what's going to be enticing for free agents who have to settle for the veteran min minimum exception. Like, the small forward position is open. The shooting guard position is open. They have a backup point guard spot position open, even though they have to... Oh, please, no. We've paid enough. We've paid the clutch tax. KCP. <laughs> We've paid enough to the clutch gods. We've 
bled enough in that respect. Um, hey, before we get any, we go any deeper into things, uh, I want to stop it right here, pitch it to our sponsors, sponsors, and then we'll catch you guys on the turnaround. Woo! Okay, Tommy, so we're back. Catch you on the flippity flip. Catch you, <laughs> catch you on the flippity flip. Is that from The Office? Is that what you're channeling right there? Yeah. <laughs> Michael Scott, everybody. Um, just to make things clear, these are the Lakers picks that they are trading away. Uh, number four pick, obviously, this year's number four pick, Jarrett Culver, Darius Garland, no. whoever it may be. Top eight protected in 2021. They're trading that pick away for sure, I hope. That'll okay, convey. actually, knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> They'll give that pick away. And then 2022, it becomes unprotected. Yeah, but that that one's not going to convey because it'll convey in 2021. In 2021, you're right. Okay, so let me start over. <laughs> 2019 top four pick. Next no, next year we keep our pick, 2020, which is great. Um, yeah. And who knows? You know that, that high school rule is coming up pretty soon. We may get a chance at being able to take advantage of the high schoolers coming into play. So, yeah, top eight protected in 2021, and that they're likely going to get that pick because we're going to be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, an unprotected swap in 2023. An unprotected first in 2024. So that's the one I'm most worried about. Yeah, the unprotected... 2024 is probably the the most valuable. I mean, just be just because we don't know. I mean, if theoretically, if we sign Anthony Davis and like Kawhi or Anthony Davis and Kyrie, it should be fine. But you just right. never know. And I think that's when uh, Le- LeBron James' first contract will be up by then, obviously. Um, and then lastly, an unprotected swap in 2025. Now, just to be clear, these swaps they don't carry over. So in 2023. If we have a better record than the New Orleans Pelicans, which is likely, and the the Pelicans don't exercise their option of using that swap, that's it. It doesn't carry over for another year. You know, that swap is gone. Same for 2025. So obviously that is a lot of first rounders going out. And I think that is what Palinka had to do in order to keep Kuzma. Now, my question to you is, this guy's been getting a lot of flack recently, um, especially when it came out that the Lakers could be, that he may be the guy, the piece that's holding up an Anthony Davis deal. In your opinion, was it worth it to keep Kyle Kuzma over these pick swaps, these pick protections, and Josh Hart? For me, I mean, my answer is pretty obvious, but I'll let you go first. But my summary for this is we already knew that there was going to be some sort of piling on of first-round picks, so it's not that much of a surprise to me. And I don't think we're like, a Brooklyn Nets situation where they gave away unprotected, where the, the pick swaps are happening so far in advance and in the future. Um, so yeah, what are you, are you okay with the Lakers choosing Kyle Kuzma over number four pick, these, fir- these future first rounders and Josh Hart? I mean, look, it kind of gets to what we were talking about. Like the fact that they, if it really came down to Kuzma or all of these picks and pick swaps... Um, or at least a couple of the picks and maybe a, a one or two of the pick swaps, I'm pretty sure they probably would have just let go of Kuzma if they didn't already think they had somebody locked up. That's what I, I'm, I'm saying. There's some sort of dynamic going on here where they were like, well, if we keep Kuzma, you know, like we can still afford this Max guy that we think we have locked up and like forget the future picks. We're not going to need him. You know, but I, I I don't know. It's just it's weird. I so I can't get a read on how confident they are on uh, on that. And I don't know if it really came down to you know the choice that specific choice. But I guess even if they weren't super confident, 
Kuzma has shown enough at this point to be like, okay, it might be worth the risk of a future pick swap to keep a tangible thing that you know right now. Like, with these pick swaps, you're always rolling the dice. I mean, like, look at the freaking Warriors, dude. Like, could you imagine if they had agreed to some pick swap that everybody thought was, like, so silly? Because, like, the Warriors are going to be picking number 29 or 30, surely. You know, and then all of a sudden it's like next year this kind of stuff happens. So it's like you never sure. know, even if you're planning to be good. But, I, you know, I guess it's possible they thought that it was worth the risk right now to completely just... With all the Warriors injuries, you have a chance in one season to completely turn your image back around. Like the Lick, the Knicks, the Licks, the Knicks have been the laughing stock, <laughs> the laughing Lick stock of the league for like a while, right? And and they haven't come close to competing for a championship since like 1999 when they went to the finals, but mm-hmm. um, or 1990, whenever that lockout season was, but. Um, so it's just it's you know you you ha- you're just in this opportunity that's almost too good to pass up, and sometimes you just have to roll the dice on something like this. I mean, I can cri- sit here and criticize Rob all I want because I didn't think you know I thought he maybe could have gotten a better deal or whatever. But if he signs somebody like another third max and we win a championship next year, no one's going to remember what it costs. You know what I'm saying? It's like the Kawhi thing. If Kawhi leaves. I don't think people are going to be sitting there being like, oh, well, I guess, I wish we had DeRozan because at least he'd be under contract for two more years. You know, they're going to be thinking like we won the damn championship. So maybe it was still yeah. worth it even if he walks. You know, so and, and I think at the end of the day, that's what it's going to come down to for Rob. I mean, for all the criticism he might get, like we can point at Danny Ainge who gets like endless praise from the media and he had so many assets that he was like gifted from the Brooklyn Nets. And he yep. was unable to ever consolidate them into, like, one big thing. Like, he got Kyrie. Um, and, yeah, unfortunately, the K-word signing didn't work out for him. But he's been, like, look at how many stars have been traded <laughs> in, like, the last, you know, five years who have demanded trades. Like, Jimmy Butler, DeMarcus, Paul George, you know, Anthony Davis, um, so many guys, uh, Kyrie, but who, who, who he was able to get, but so many guys have demanded trades and he's continued to hold and hold and latch on to these assets. I mean, I think like you just think of the narratives that would, if it would be going on right now, if Danny Ainge was able to pull off uh, a, a trade of like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and like a pick for Anthony Davis, um, people would be like, celebrating in the streets of like, look how great he is. He got this guy. And like, now they have Horford and they have Hayward and Kyrie now might come back. And like, everybody would be like standing up and applauding, but he played it super conservatively and like, look at what that got them. So you don't know if it's going to work out, but it it was worth the roll of the dice in my opinion. Well, also I'm glad you brought that up because this trade does another huge thing because it knocks out Kyrie Irving definitively from the Boston Celtics grasp, right? Because the Lakers pretty much cut in front of the line and cut through all of the ifs, what ifs, all the uncertainty by saying, nope, if there was even a chance, a small chance that Kyrie Irving would have stayed with Boston if they had found a way to trade for Anthony Davis, because those discussions could have been going on, you know? They may still be going on right now. But now the Lakers are like, nope, we got him. Kyrie's gone for sure. I don't care how certain it was that Kyrie Irving was headed to Brooklyn. With Kyrie Irving, you never know. 
and the Lakers just made it 100% certain and sure that he is not returning to Boston because there is literally no reason for him to stay at this point. Because his buddy, Anthony Davis, who he was, there, there have been rumors that they've been talking about teaming up with each other, is headed to L.A. So even from that end, it, it's a win for the Lakers, you know? And I, this is weird. I don't really want to defend the Celtics, but I think where the Celtics have gone wrong is not necessarily an asset hoarding. Because I think you'd agree with me that the way that they've done things is kind of how we wished we would have done things in terms of not flipping guys immediately. Obviously, with what, what we've seen from Kawhi Leonard, they probably should have done that. But I think the the process with which they took to create their team, like let's say Gordon Hayward never goes down with that injury, and let's say Kyrie Irving doesn't hate his teammates and wasn't a psychopath, they would still be at the top of the East, you know, with their burgeoning young stars who they can still have the option of flipping. Right, I think they did things right in that respect, although I will say they probably should have traded for Kawhi Leonard, but in terms of passing up on Jimmy Butler, in terms of passing up on DeMarcus Cousins, they did the right thing. It's just Gordon Hayward got injured, Kyrie Irving is a psychopath. Where they went wrong, I think, and Pete's got to this point very well in his Emergency Reaction podcast, is the way they've treated players in the past, to the point where Anthony Davis' own father and Rich Paul come out and say, we are not coming to the Boston Celtics, and if you trade for him, we are leaving the next year. Mark our words. From what, how they treated Isaiah Thomas, how they treated Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, shipping them out unceremoniously, and maybe Kyrie Irving just not liking the environment that he was in. We were told that he would love Brad Stevens. He would love the culture, but that just hasn't been the case. So for me, I'm hinging it more on that than asset hoarding, even though I know that's what they're doing. But they've lost everything in the process because it's, I think it's a combination of both, right? Asset hoarding and being too conservative, but also overall just being the type of organization they have been and not really treating their franchise players right when they allowed Isaiah Thomas to put the team on his back even when he was injured. And uh, he, he sent, they, they forced him to essentially change the course of his career forever when he was supposed to get a big payday, right? And then shipped him off that summer at uh, the first sign of being able to get a another superstar, you know? Um, so for me, I hinge it more on how they've treated players in the past because I kind of like what he did with that group. You know, it's it's what we were, we've been hoping for. Sign a guy like Al Horford, bring in a guy like Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis, get another guy in Gordon Hayward and still keep Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Kyle Kuzma, right? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, like, my point is, like, there are certain subtleties, right, that... that- there's a reason we're not front office executives, not to say that everybody who's in that role is necessarily, you know, NBA Jesus and they know everything, you know, it's just, but I, I'm just saying like, we can sit here and say like, yeah, maybe they handled it the way that we kind of wish we, we, uh, we handled it. But at the end of the day, like we we got Anthony Davis and they didn't like this entire time they haven't acquired a top, arguably a top five player. And we've acquired two, like I, maybe one was by luck, but I'm just saying that there are certain subtleties here. And I feel like Ainge, I mean, like people talk a lot about Lakers exceptionalism. Um, and I just feel like Ainge has just been so arrogant through this entire like building process. And, and I just feel like he got what was coming to him and not to say the Celtics are screwed by any means. They still have like a ton of young players 
and a ton of picks. I mean, there was rumors they're trying to get involved with like maybe a Clint Capella deal. Um, they should have maybe some cap space depending on what they send out for Capella. Um, they're in a decent enough spot. Um, they're not going to be competing for a championship pro- probably next season, but they're not screwed by any means. But like we could win the championship next season if we if we sign somebody. I was just scrolling through Instagram and I saw this post from LeBron, and it's a, it's that Photoshop of him standing next to Anthony Davis in Lakers jerseys. <laughs> And he, he wrote AD on the way. Let's get it, bro. Just the oh, beginning. And then he said, he said, God. just the beginning, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Are you talking about Kyrie or what? Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> you know, boy. So indeed. it's like, that's what we have to look forward yeah. to. Hey, one thing I wanted to bring up that I forgot to when you were talking about paying it forward, not paying it forward, but paying it back to Clutch. I, I agree with that because when Clutch came out and Rich Paul came out with that SI article, I think that was them saying, hey, we're going to do you another favor by helping give you the leverage back. Even though it doesn't seem like we got leverage back because of what we had to put out, I still feel like that was Rich Paul saying, hey, do us a solid because we're going to continue to do you a solid by saying, do not trade for this guy. He is going to walk. Now, in the most ideal scenario, yes, we let the Celtics trade for Anthony Davis and he literally walks the next year and we sign him in free agency in 2020. But that that's just so unrealistic. There's so many ifs, ands, and buts. And with what happened with Kevin Durant's injury and Klay Thompson's injury, you have to think that played a role in the Lakers' decision to be like, you know what? We could haggle all we want and maybe Rob Palenka could could have put his foot down and waited a little longer. But sometimes you just got to take what's in front of you. You know, like in Troy, that movie Troy back in 2000, I always remember that scene where Brad Pitt's like, immortality, take it, it's yours. I don't know why I brought that reference up, but, <laughs> but I feel like that's what Rob Palenka was thinking. You know, it's like immortality, it's there for us, but also he saw the mortality of guys like Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson and was like, this is our opportunity now, and we have to bust through that door and not be cute with it, right? Yeah, and again, like, we don't know how much he's heard. Like, we have a – one thing that we lacked in all the previous seasons where we had a superstar on our team – or, sorry, where we didn't have a superstar on our team, but we had tons of space is we'd, ne- we'd never have a player who was, like, tapped in. LeBron is, like, tapped in to all of the stars in the league – he knows everybody, everybody, like, like, I won't say everybody loves him, but most people are really big fans of his, like many stars are fans of his. These guys all talk. I feel like he probably has a good idea of who he thinks he can get. Um, and, I, you know, it's just like, we don't, it, sometimes if you think, like, look, if you have somebody in your ear telling you, like, hey, if this happens, there's a strong chance that this might happen, you know, maybe you're more willing to just be like, okay, we just have to get it done now. Like, forget it. It's still Anthony Davis. Maybe we're not bidding against anybody, but we also don't want anyone to point back to this and be like, that's so BS that they got him for only that, you know? Um, so you just take the deal and move on with life and hope, pray to God for the next two weeks that we are able to uh, convince a Max to sign here. Oh, it's going to happen. And also, okay, Sorry, we're jumping around and everything, but let's go back to Kyle Kuzma. One, I'm really sad that the Light Skin Brothers connection is over because Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma, I know Lakers fans are, you know, pretty despondent about having to lose Lonzo and Ingram and Josh Hart, but can you imagine how Kuzma's feeling? Like, these were these guys were tight with each other, you know? It's yeah. going to be weird for Kuzma to be the only one left, 
And even though he's in a, a pretty good situation and, you know, the pressure is definitely going to be on him, it's like he lost his, you know, frat. <laughs> he lost his, like, brotherhood, essentially. And it's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be a bit of an adjustment period for him just emotionally because they these guys loved roasting each other. They had really, really good chemistry. I'm glad that it actually carries forth and carries over even after they're gone, as we've seen with Julius Randle and Larry Nance and randomly Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> I'm glad that bond is really strong between them, and there's no surprise that it is that strong, but you have to imagine that for Kuz, he's like, well, damn, this effing sucks, too, you know? As much as fans think it sucks, imagine how Kuz is feeling, where he's like, I'm glad I'm a Laker, but I don't have my friends and dudes to do this with. Yeah, no, I totally feel you. But, I mean, it's... It sucks because I think we're not used to witnessing it um, firsthand very much just based on, like, the history of our fandom. Um, You know, for most of the time, we've just been veteran teams uh, competing in the playoffs. Um, So it was weird to, like, watch it happen like this. But in a way, like, with very limited exceptions, this happens to literally every team. Like, it's so rare that a team is just like bringing up guys exclusively within their system and they're just keeping those guys for the entirety of their career. I mean, if you have one guy who's played his whole team for one or two teams, that's considered like a pretty amazing, you know, it's like most guys are just constantly bouncing around. Um, I, but I do feel you. I mean, it's like, it does suck for Kuzma. Um, but he earned this in a way, you know, like he could have just been like another throw in like, okay, well here, just take Kuzma as well. We don't care, but he earned the right to stay. He's, you know, on a very, very favorable contract for, for us. And he was like the one guy who came in and despite all the nonsense and everything that was going on last year, like came in professionally, showed everything he had worked on you know, we've seen him with uh, the inst- on Instagram, like working out with a lethal shooter this summer. Oh yeah. So and on Twitter, so like hopefully he gets his shot back. But you know, this guy like deserves to be here and is really good. And I mean, I'm not going to go so far as to say like he's ready next season to be the third player on a championship team. But if we get that third guy and are able to build around AD and the third guy moving forward, even after LeBron, then having Kuzma there is just going to be like that much more incredible. You know, I, I'm yeah. not going to sit here and try to argue that Kuzma is more innately talented than B.I. or Lonzo, or that I would like prefer to keep him over B.I. or Lonzo, but he does bring a lot of positives to the table. Um, and he's got such a Mamba mentality that you don't know. Like, maybe he will don't just say elevate that, bro. himself. Fans are going to be like, don't say that. I hate it when you say Mamba mentality. Skip, but go ahead. But, but, but just like, seriously, though, I mean, it's like, you just don't know what he's going to be able to push himself to. Um, he's limited in some ways, but he's like so dedicated to the game and making himself better. Like, this isn't just a dude who's naturally gifted. And I'm not saying like B.I. and Lonzo don't work hard. Um, they definitely do, but you know, Kuz has had to work so hard for everything he's gotten in his life. He's only 23. There's no signs at all that he's hit a wall or like he's reached what he could be. People say that about players all the time and they're still developing in their mid to late twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So Kuzma could very easily be that guy for us. And worst case, if he's just what he was last year and that's his his peak, other than maybe he improves his, continues to improve his defense a little, like that's still a pretty good player for the price, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So it, it was it's great to to keep him, but it's going to be definitely weird for him with all his uh, all his boys gone. Well, look, he has a tremendous opportunity in front of him to really establish himself in this league and if he takes advantage of this opportunity who knows who this guy could become we just saw pascal siakam at age 25 elevate and rise to the moment probably also helped by the fact that he was he had Kawhi leonard and kyle lowry next to him you know kyle kuzma is going to be in this sort of situation but amped up with lebron james anthony davis and who knows who else next to him to help expedite his development even more. And to your point about him being a hard worker, out of him, B.I., Lonzo, and even Josh Hart, he was the least heralded coming out of college. I know people hate it when he's like, came from the dirt, came from nothing, and worked myself worked my way up, but that's literally what he did. Like, he was not even projected to be a first-round pick when we drafted him, right? We were like, we can get this dude in the second round. Why did we draft this guy at 27? It's because he worked really hard from his junior or senior year to even prove that he could be a volume three-point shooter. And he showed that in the draft combine and impressed everybody to the point where Bill Burtka was like, we got to draft that guy because Bill Burtka vouched for this guy because he worked his ass off to prove that he was more than just a role player. Because he, people call, it's so funny to me, people say that Kyle Kuzma is a pure scorer but he developed into this. This was not his role in college. In college, he was like some garbage man role player who would pick up the scraps. I know his last year, he averaged 16 points still, but but in college, that's not anything to write home about, you know? He became a go, like a pure scorer without having to dribble the ball. Even from the logistical sense, and the lineup data on this actually bears this out, Cal Kuzma has fit very well with LeBron James, even with him shooting 30% from three. Can you imagine if he just hit 20 more of his 500 open threes this season and raised his percentage to 33%? He, he, as it is, as it stands, as, as a 30% three-point shooter, Cal Kuzma already fit alongside LeBron James very well, and the lineup data proves that. And he just needs to refine his shot and learn how to hit a wide open shot. For me, that's a very easy thing to fix. It's not like this guy was doing off the ball, pull up three point shots with guys in his face, although he does need to work on his shot selection. He just needs to hit wide open shots and get rid of the yips. Maybe he'll get more yips because Anthony Davis is there. I don't know. But for me, it's a very correctable thing. And here are some stats for you. Even in spite of the fact that he shot th- only shot 30% from three, He shot 45.6% from the field, a 55% true shooting percentage. Even though people say that all he can do is score, he doesn't do anything else. He averaged 2.5 assists, which which is, by the way, I think like 0.1 or 0.2 off of Brandon Ingram without having the same uh, role to be able to handle the ball and handle the rock the way that Brandon Ingram did, okay? According to the data on our team last year, He is second in wins added, just behind LeBron James. He is third on the team in player impact plus minus. He is fourth in offensive rating, fourth in win shares. And with regards to how he ranks to other power forwards in the league, he is 13 out of the 98 power forwards 
in offensive real plus minus, and 34 out of those same 98 power forwards in overall real plus minus. So even stacking him against all the power forwards in the league, he has a place on this team, you know? People always say he's the weakest link. Fine, he's the weakest link, but that doesn't mean he's his ceiling is capped and that he can't improve because, again, all he has to do is... And the other thing, when, when people talk about his defense, he showed us in November. I know it was only like a month stretch or so, but he showed us that he can play defense, you know? And the other thing is people forget that this Luke... Bum-ass Luke put this dude at the... <laughs> had this guy guarding fives you know so I don't even think Kuz was utilized to his utmost extent and most optimal position people always say that Luke didn't use Brandon Ingram right well he didn't really use Kuzma right either you know so for me I'm glad that we were able to somehow keep a 19 point scorer It, it sucks to lose Brandon Ingram and it sucks to lose Lonzo Ball but objectively speaking Kuzma was also our healthiest and most durable player so the fact that we were able to come out of this with that type of guy making that type of production, making that dirt cheap of a contract, that's huge. Because again, this could have gone much worse and we could have lost Kuzma too. And and like so much when you're trying to build these super teams, which God, I really cannot believe here we are in 2019 trying to build a super team after everything we've gone through in the last six years. But when you're trying to build these super teams, so much of your success hinges on these fringe, you know, other guys that you have. And one, if one of your other, if your fourth best player is a guy who averaged 19 points a game on a team that, like, for most of the season was at least competing for a playoff spot, that's pretty damn good, you know. And he's young. There's tons of evidence he'll continue uh, continue to get better. We have actual coaches now. I know some of them have uh, have um, caught some criticism, but we have coaches here who are going to put him in good positions. Frank Vogel can, I'm sure, give him some tips def- uh, defensively to help with that development. And I'm just like, maybe I just follow the right people on Twitter, but it's I, I just I can't believe we have to make this argument um, on the podcast. <laughs> we do. Like it's we do. so it's so silly. Like. We should feel so grateful that we were able to hold on to a guy like this because he has serious, serious potential. Um, he's still only 23, and I say only because he's done a lot already. And, you know, the sky's the limit. If he can improve his shot, which, you know, I think he easily should be able to. And maybe not easily is the right word, but he should be able to, and he improves that defense. Like, he's a really, really excellent player for how cheap he is. Yeah, and when people use Pascal Siakam as an example for Brandon Ingram, why does that not apply to Kuzma as well, who is two years younger than Siakam, right? It just feels like one of those moves where it's like you look back in four years, you know, four years from now, people are going to look back and be like, yeah, this is why um, (laughs) the Lakers were so (laughs) adamant about keeping uh, Kyle Kuzma. It's kind of like the Shaq Shaq trade with Miami, if you think about it, like... Mm -hmm. Everybody at the time was like, wow, I can't believe the Lakers weren't able to get uh, Dwayne Wade or like, I, you know, I can't believe uh, Pat Riley was willing like to risk so much just to hold on to Dwayne Wade. And then like you saw what happened after that. Like sometimes, you know, uh, moves like that happen or non-moves, I, I guess I should say. And and I could see people looking back in four years and saying, oh, yeah, this is why they were so serious about keeping Kuzma. And we're not saying that Kuzma is Dwayne Wade because Pat Riley had an obvious reason to keep Dwayne Wade. He's of better than Dwayne Wade! <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I had a point. 
one last point about Kyle Kuzma. Um, he's better than Dwayne Wade. That he's better than Dwayne Wade. <laughs> uh, no, 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 that's not it. Uh, anyways. I'm just saying objective career comparison. <laughs> <laughs> Let's close our show by talking about what the Lakers do from here. Um, but first, we're going to pitch it to our sponsors and uh, catch you on the flippity flip. Catch you on the flippity flip. All right, we're All back. All right. Goodbye, warehouse. Catch you on the flippity flip. Tommy's still going. <laughs> He's been going on for the last 10 minutes uh, during break. Um, but we're back, and we're going to close our show the next five, eight minutes or so and just talk about what the Lakers do from here. But first, oh my gosh, I, we haven't talked enough about Anthony Davis, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, Anthony Davis? Dude. LeBron James is going to be able to, with Anthony Davis, he's going to be able to take the best versions of the best power forwards that he's ever played with, and I'm talking about Chris Bosh and Kevin Love, and fuse them together into That's Anthony so, it's Davis. It's so absurd, dude. But no, in his prime, thing. in his prime, dude. I'm talking about Chris Bosh in his prime before he even well, here's went the to crazy Miami. thing that somebody said, okay? And I first I was kind of like off, put off by this comment, but it was a tweet. I can't remember who it was, but it was either... I think maybe it was somebody on ESPN. But the tweet was... When now that the Lakers have uh, the Lakers have now acquired LeBron James' best teammate of his of his career, and at first your instinct is of course to be like, okay, D Wade. But if we're not talking about like you know overall careers, and like was D Wade a, a like bona fide top five player in the NBA before LeBron got there? I don't know that we could say that at that time. Like, he was really, really good, a sure thing all star. You know, probably a top ten. He'd won a championship with Shaq, but. Anthony Davis is like a sure thing, like top five player right now. And okay. And he's just like exactly what LeBron needs right now. And it's just like such a good pairing. If we like, really, if we get a third max, it's just going to be like icing on the cake. It feels so, it feels like so cheat mode almost, but like we know how hard (laughs) it is to win a championship. So it doesn't really matter if Kyle Kuzma is your fourth best player averaging 20 a game, then uh, you're in a pretty good spot. And, but even despite that, it's, it's still, it's still hard to guarantee anything, but damn, it'll be nice to watch good, good uh, contending basketball again. Well, that, and he's only 26 and I'd say cheat mode, but 26, (laughs) What'd you say? <laughs> He's only done his ex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's like... He has a lot left to prove, though. No, he So for does, me, it doesn't dude. even it, seem cheap because this guy has only made it out of the first round once. So he has a lot to prove still, even yeah. given his tantalizing resume. Right, right. No, I totally agree. And it's it's weird to compare him to Shaq, but when we acquired Shaq, it was like similar, right? Like he was dominant. Yeah, Shaq was a little different in the sense that he went to the finals once, although I think they got swept. Well, um, if Anthony Davis was in the went. East Coast, who knows what could have happened. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, but it's similar to where it's like, it, in hindsight, it's crazy to think like, you know, maybe there was a time where Shaq was like thought of as being really, really, really good, but not like the best or like a top three player, but Anthony Davis, I think could make people start thinking that like very, very soon. Like he's never had a teammate remotely approaching LeBron James. I'm not going to sit here and say he's had like the best, uh, the worst teams of all time. He's had some very solid teams, but 
as a big man, it's hard to be really good unless you have like an elite perimeter player to play with. And I consider LeBron to be an elite perimeter player, just given everything he does, obviously passing and even shooting later in his career. But he, yeah, like you said, Anthony Davis has so much to prove and it's going to be very, very interesting because we acquired a guy who's already, like I said, multiple times top five player in the league, but he's still kind of developing and getting better. He's not hit his prime. He, it's, it's like weird to say it, but he could, because he's been an all-star for the last six years in a row, but he has like not hit his prime. Um, he's a better catch and shoot off ball shooter than Kuzma. 38%, yeah. right? <laughs> Dude, when I saw that percentage, I was like, holy crap. What kind of threes was he taking? Cause I think he shot like 33% on the year, but on catch and shoot, he was 38%. I guess he took a fair number off the dribble. Um, so maybe he should cut cut down on that next year. But thirty-eight uh, percent catch and shoot threes is just phenomenal for a guy who does everything he does. This dude has a six ten or six eleven with a seven five wingspan <sighs> and jumps out of the building. Um, he's going to be one of the league leaders in blocks and rebounds next year. Just like write that pencil hat in right now, he'll be top probably three, but at minimum at worst top five in both categories. And probably one of the top scorers in the league, too, pending who we get as our third star. The craziest part about this is he's a perfect fit with LeBron James on the offensive end. And on the defensive end, I know people are worried about LeBron James and Kuzma and our defense being Kuzma having to push LeBron James to the right person, LeBron James having to push Kuzma to the right person. But with Anthony Davis, we have our defensive anchor that everything should orbit around. And we will, we need to fill out our roster with defensive players, I agree, but Anthony Davis alone, once you have a defensive anchor, that kind of changes everything because it dictates and informs how the rest of your players play, even if they're not necessarily the best of the best defenders, because now you can funnel them straight to Anthony Davis, you know, and at this point, maybe JaVale McGee as well. Um, So, I mean, then then I guess that's a good transition into what do the Lakers do in free agency? And we can make this quick and because we can obviously talk more about this in future episodes, but... Are you, and I'll give you the simple question, do you want a third max star because the Lakers do have that option to, at their disposable, <laughs> disposable, at their disposal, or do you think they should divvy up that 32.5, 32.7 million and try and get role players like Brooke Lopez, George Hill, JJ Redick, Nikola Mirotic, and build a super role player team? So I think for sure, if I'm the Lakers, I go um, for the max. Um, obviously, that's not fully in our control, but I think they need to make that like priority number one for sure. And I don't. I'm not even going to say like, oh, it has to be Ky- uh, Kawhi or Kyrie. Otherwise, just sign role players. I'm saying like everybody. I go down the line even to Kemba or like you know some of the people who are more fringe max types. But I think you have to go for that third max. Um, you can do it. Pete had some tweets about this that I think are his point is well taken that because there are so many teams that have some amount of cap space this summer, because this is that year where, you know, guys who were signed the Luol Deng, Timothy Mozgov, like absurd summer of overspending. We signed those guys to four year deals, obviously, but for the folks that signed uh, teams that signed folks to the three year deals, those contracts are all expiring this summer. So a lot of teams have a medium amount of cap space all of a sudden. Um, and uh, the, that middle market might get squeezed or pushed up a little bit in terms of value. So you might be uh, see guys who were, you know, in previous, the last two off seasons would have gotten like 10 million per year, might be getting like 15 or 
you know, 16 million per year. Um, when you have the chance to get one guy who can compensate for the output of so many guys who are mediocre, you, I think you just have to go with that and then hope you can fill in the rest of your roster with guys who get squeezed out, um, guys who are looking for a role on a team that's going to clearly contend. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because even if we get our third max and we have Kuzma, like, great. So that might get you like a, uh, like four of your starting five. <laughs> you know, so there are going to be roles open. Um um, on this team and, and, uh, you can talk about that maybe a little bit more, but I think we'll be able to get, you know, some of these roles filled by signing, you know, minimum type guys. And that should help a lot. I know you said you weren't going to rank them, but I'm going to force you to rank them. So in terms of max guys, where is, how does your list look right now in terms of first option, second option, et cetera? So my number, my first option is, um, uh, Kawhi. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I hesitated so long. My first option is Kawhi. My second choice would be Kyrie. My third choice would probably be Jimmy Butler. Um, and then, or actually, sorry, I'm going to amend. My third choice, I might do KD, actually, if he was willing, okay? Like, I know that he would have to take less than his full max, but if he was willing, I might be willing to wait one more year to just to team these guys up. But given, LeBron, given LeBron's age thing, I'll, I'll let that one slide, and maybe I'd go to more realistic targets. I'd go to Jimmy Butler next and then Kemba last. I think okay. that's how I would approach it, but... I don't know. I think you could also make a fair argument that maybe Kemba should be above Jimmy Butler just because yes. it'll put a, a another shot creator and ball handler out there. Because LeBron is honestly at his best when he has somebody else like that out there. So mm-hmm. like that's why he, him and Kyrie uh, work so well with their one big man. Him and um, uh, what's his face? Uh, D-Wade works so well with Chris Bosh. You know, he, he thrives when he has another guy out there who could take some of that burden. And Kemba Walker is also a really good off-ball catch, catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, which is nice to know. Yeah, which is nice to know. And and those first two guys like Kawhi and uh, and uh, Kyrie could obviously do the same thing for LeBron, but I think it's a fair argument for maybe saying Kemba should be above Jimmy Butler if um, if if we're thinking purely offensively. Of course, that doesn't really solve any of the defensive issues, so maybe you could make a defensive argument for Jimmy Butler. But, I mean, neither does Kyrie Irving, and I'm more worried about the spacing. I know Anthony Davis can shoot threes, but he's not like a volume Kevin Love, Ryan Anderson type three-point shooter, and he's going to do most of his work in the paint, and so you'd want another floor spacer like Kemba Walker than a Jimmy Butler, you know? And then and then after that, then you fill out the rest of your roster with defensive-minded 3-and-D type players. And I, and the other the other reason why we need Kemba Walker is we just lost Lonzo Ball, dude. We, we'd still... Not that the point guard position is that important when you have LeBron James, but can you imagine if LeBron James goes down for a few games next season or has some load management thing going on? I would like to know I have a starting caliber point guard and not only a starting caliber point guard but an all-star type point guard like Kemba Walker because then that has a trickle-down effect on Alex Caruso and uh, Rajon Rondo (laughs) um oh (laughs) hey so really quickly and I don't want to go too deep into this but okay so if we're filling out our third if if a third max guy is taking up most of that money we're going to be left with just the room mid-level exception of four million dollars and a bunch of veteran exceptions now we can probably pencil in Alex Caruso Jamario Jones and Jonathan Williams as well. And this is also probably why the Jamario D. I don't know. And this is also probably why the Lakers have been working out so many undrafted free agents 
um, a lot of second round picks and whatnot, because I think they're going to buy their way into the second round and just get additional bodies because now their depth has been decimated. But I think because of Anthony Davis now, the context changes entirely. And like I said before, there are going to be roles open for guys. And these guys will be willing to take a huge, huge pay cut because they know, one, they'll have the role. Two, they know they'll be playing on a contending team, a historic one at that with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. They won't want to miss out on that. And the, the glitz and glamour is back in L.A. for sure now. I mean, LeBron James brought that back, but for sure, for sure, it, it's, it's back. We're back, back, as Magic Johnson would say. <laughs> we back. We back, back. Um, we back, So man. with regards to the veteran exception, guys, I am so glad, actually, that we had the train wreck of a year that we had in free agency because we have shown ourselves exhibit A of how not to do things. After we get the, after we make the big move, we hopefully this year we've learned our mistakes and we don't try and get cute. We don't try and zig when the rest of the league is zagging like we tried to do. And we just go for the obvious thing. Get shooters, get defenders, put them around LeBron James and Anthony Davis and maybe Kemba Walker or Kyrie Irving, and let's keep it simple stupid, right? So I'm glad that we have the last year to actually learn and work off of, learn from and work off of. Um, and with that, like, like we mentioned off air and like I tweeted, Trevor Ariza is 5,000% coming home, dude. He was going to come to us last yeah. year if the Suns were going to you know, uh, buy him out, but they didn't want to do the Lakers another favor when they bought Tyson Chandler out, and somehow they got Kelly Oubre <laughs> for trading t- Trevor Ariza. But now that Trevor Ariza is going to be a free agent, things can come full circle here, and he can win another championship with the Lakers. And that'll make up for our you know, not being able to root for our homegrown guys like Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram because Trevor Ariza was our first OG, OG homegrown guy, you know? And that'll be amazing. And then uh, to top it all off, J.R. Smith, I don't know how people feel about J.R. Smith, but J.R. Smith is going to get <laughs> yeah. bought out. He has a $15 million contract for this upcoming season, but the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to use that as a trade asset and trade him to a team that needs cap relief and then that team is going to waive him because he's only guaranteed for 3.8 million and once a team waives him they're they only retain 3.8 that 3.8 mark on their cap books and jr smith is free to do whatever he wants to and i i think he's going to come to the lakers and rejoin lebron james now people may not like that prospect but compare him to josh hart and i think we expedited josh hart by you know two years or so i don't know if he's i don't think he's the same defender as josh hart but in terms of his experience and his shot making ability and knowing how to play off of lebron that's huge you know and if you can get that as a veteran exception guy amazing and now javel mcgee you know I, I i was i was wondering whether or not he'd come back to the lakers if we didn't give him you know the room exception and or even, you know, give him a higher pay raise. But now I feel like he's going to take the vet exception because he's going to he has a chance, he has a shot to start next to Anthony Davis. We're going to have the longest freaking That'd front court in the world. I don't know I how really that's going to work. That's not the plan. I mean, I don't know how that's going to work fit-wise obviously, but it it would still be huge to have a guy like JaVale McGee, you know? In, just in a lesson role. Yeah. yeah, right. So I think the veteran exception guys are going to come in droves now, and that's the benefit of doing a, a trade like this 
and establishing ourselves. Wesley Matthews is going to come. Jeremy Lin, former Laker, wants a back-to-back championship. He's going to come. Former Laker Wayne Ellington will make up for losing Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram by just bringing back all of these former Lakers so we can at least be happy about that narrative and keeping it in the family, et cetera, et cetera, and not just cheering for, you know, laundry. So I'm actually not worried about the veteran exception part at all. I am worried about Carmelo Anthony coming and, you know, Palenka doing the dumb stuff that he did um, last year. But again, I have to think with how publicly he got lambasted for those moves that he's at least going to learn from those. Even if he does like, even if he only does a 60% better job than he did last year, I think we're in good shape. But anyways, last word on on who we can sign and how we can fill this roster out since I know that you are the most worried about this aspect of things. Yeah, I mean, look, in, in terms of who we could sign, I, I think we'll just have to wait. It's so hard to speculate. Um, guys react to this kind of thing in different ways. It's just funny, I guess, like, from my perspective as a fan um, and not a guy, you know, theoretically trying to play with one of these guys, uh, I, I would always think to myself, like, well... You know, maybe you could make an argument that the depth and the youth and all this stuff is better long term. And like, why can't people see that? And if they just step in in these like veteran roles and help us out, you know, on good contracts, then like it, the whole group can move collectively forward. And, you know, you have all these like fantastical thoughts. But when it comes down to it, it's hard to get veteran guys, 26, 28, 30 year old guys to say, yeah, I'm going to come in and play behind this 20, uh, 21-year-old who hasn't even proven anything yet. Um, it's a little bit easier to get those types of guys when you can point and say, here's LeBron and AD, and everybody's like, all right, look, <laughs> I can accept not being the best player on this team. You know, I can accept right. like stepping into my role on like this type of team. That That makes sense to me because LeBron and AD are like phenomenal players. Um so it, it it definitely doing the trade now I guess helps us in that regard. Um but yeah, I in terms of who we could sign um for those like veteran exception or sorry like tech, uh room exception and our veteran minimum signings, I, you you maybe look at somebody like Dwayne Deadman wouldn't be bad maybe to try to fit in the room exception. Um Pal Gasol <laughs> Pal Gasol is a little old, um, and I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he would cost the room exception either. Oh, um, I mean the veteran, veteran, sorry, veteran exception. Yeah, for a veteran minimum, definitely, I'd be open to that as like a deep bench guy. Um, you talked about Ariza, who I think would be amazing um, to get pencil some him in. length. Pencil on him the, in. He's in. He's in. Yeah, to get him to get some length on the wings, um, and he's nearing the end of his career. So, like you said, it could be like a nice. Uh, way to go out here. Um, Jared, Jared Dudley is going to come probably. He's a yeah, smart there's guy. There's just going to be guys that like you don't know who is who feels like they are or are at excuse me they are or aren't at certain places in their, in their careers. Um, David West, in my opinion, slightly earlier right. than I would expect. Um, yes, that's a good. That's a good. David example. West like started ring chasing when he you know, passed on the summer that he could have taken a lot of money and started a series of one-year deals. I think he did his first one with the Spurs, and then he did two or three in a row with the Warriors. Um, So, you know, that was like a huge thing that helped those teams uh, tremendously. And it was just because he decided, like, look, I could get one more. I mean, clearly he ended up playing four more years and was pretty productive in at least like three of those. But he could have been like, here's my chance to get my one last payday. And he decided to just take 
way, way, way less market and way below value to go ring chase. And you don't just have no idea who might fall into that camp like this summer, next summer. I'm actually looking forward to next summer because we'll have the taxpayer exception and we'll also have our, our own first round pick. So what we could potentially win the championship and then build on that. Like after that going next year, just because we have our pick for next year. Um, and uh, we also have gained that taxpayer exception, which for a team like us is going to be pretty valuable. And I think because we're below the luxury tax, I think we'll be still be below the luxury tax. That's about $9 million that you can use just on a one-time use, or you can split it up into two, you know, $4 million, $4 million, or $6 million, $3 million. So it is very valuable to have. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, another thing that, I mean, probably sounds silly now, but we didn't trade any of our second round picks in this AD trade. So nice. those are, yeah, it is a little silly, but those are the types of players on like non-guaranteed deals who are going to be taking like the small contracts that we're going to need to like fill out our roster. Um, and, uh, and that's yeah, where we've I mean, hit it out of the park too. And it, yeah. And we've hit it out of the park exactly with those types of players. So maybe we'll even buy one this summer, to be honest. Oh, um, I think we will. Yeah. So, uh, or sorry, not the summer in this draft, but, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. It's weird. Um, I'm excited. I'm probably, I'm like, now that the trade has happened, I'm actually very, very excited <laughs> compared yeah, to if you can't tell by the tone of my voice, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm honestly super excited and, and, um, They'll figure it out. I'm. I now that we have him, I, I know. I know. I was like debating you a lot on this, and not necessarily. Part of that is just playing devil's advocate. But I debated you quite a bit on this, and and now that we're in the position, I like more understand where you were coming from, and it does just feel like we're entering free agency with such a different look than we've had mm-hmm. in any of the previous years. Even though we were already going to have LeBron this year, and even though we had him like early, like locked up early last year. It's just things are so different now. JJ Redick has never won a championship, dude. He's going to be a free agent this summer. Like, I don't know what he signed for like the minimum. Like, yeah, Philly's going to get some players, but are you trying to go like ride that Philly wave or would you come here for like more of a sure thing? I don't know. <laughs> yep. No, we're walking into this summer like that scene in 21 Jump Street where we're in slow motion. We got the sunglasses on and the doves flying behind us in the back. I mean, it's a whole... The scene and the feel and the vibe is just totally different. You're right. Um, Because we are not just a Philadelphia 76ers quote-unquote super team. We are, I don't even know what the phrase is anymore. We are are a legit championship contending team without needing all those what-ifs. If this happens, then that, right? It's like, no, we are a championship contending team. And we plan to be so in the next four, five, six, 10, 12, <laughs> 13 I mean, the, years. Yeah. And the crazy thing, yeah, it's like, regard. I mean, I, ideally we get our third star, but even without our third star, given the Golden State injuries, we're like already, I feel like, <laughs> the you know, assuming we sign some role players and stuff, at least with our cap space, which we would have to, uh, we're like already the favorite to win the championship next year. Like I'm not even yeah. talking about Vegas odds. I'm just saying talent-wise we would be right up there. You know, it'd be us from the West and then like Kyrie and, or sorry, um, Kemp, uh, sorry, if Kawhi stays in Toronto, probably the Raptors, but we would be right up there. Yeah. I mean, the best is yet to come. This is a new era of Lakers basketball and we are going to get the best version of Anthony Davis than even the Pelicans did, which is crazy to say and crazy to think. Whatever we've seen from Anthony Davis 
in a Pelican's uniform, you haven't seen anything yet. That is the craziest part. Anthony Davis has never played with a teammate like LeBron James, and I'm excited to see how it all unfolds. It's super lit. We've gone super long. I have to go watch Men in Black 3 or Men in Black 4, whatever the new Men in Black is, <laughs> with my girlfriend in a few minutes. So I'm going to cut it here. Thank you guys for listening. More to come, obviously, as details come out. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes um, because the more you rate and review us, Tommy, what you got? The more times our pick swaps won't convert in a manner that's favorable for the Pelicans. Noise. Pick swaps, protect those picks, protect those dicks, protect those dick picks. <laughs> All right. Wow. I, I don't know. So let's end it there. Let's cut it. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, catch us next time. Tommy, we got Anthony Davis, baby. We got the brow. We coming for Zion 2017 or 2027, <laughs> son. <laughs> Woo-woo. All right. Catch you later. Peace. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.